pray. Father, we would ask that um, you would just right now, maybe in a new way, reveal your power, who you are to us. Lord, that even in this very moment, we could be renewed in your presence. So, Father, we thank you. We meet you in a time of praise and adoration. We thank you that your word does not come back void and it is truth and living and that that word will speak to our hearts and minds in ways that we've not heard it before. And we thank you. You're made known to us in the breaking of the bread. So let your power be made known to us right now as we gather so that we could leave here different from the way we came in because we met with you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Happy New Year. And, uh, you know, we always begin the new year with uh, the idea that it's time to make some resolutions. And uh, I hope you're all doing well with them. We're about three days in. And uh, how's that going for you? All those commitments you, you, you uh, made as you were leading towards that first day, that new day. And, and it's interesting how we choose that day to become a point in time that we're going to start these new beginnings, that we're going to begin this new journey of this new year that we're heading for. And all of us are excited to get into this new year and out of the old year. And we have expectations as we're entering into this new year. But there's a reason we make resolutions, and we do them for different reasons. We all have different reasons to make them or what we want to make them of. The common thread in setting a New Year's resolution are two things. One is that we're going to get in the best shape of our life. Somehow physically, we're going to do something different we haven't done all those years prior. But this year is going to be different. And the second thing is finances. Somehow we're going to become someone who budgets who never even budgeted before. And all of a sudden, now I'm going to do it. This is the year I'm going to start saving money. And, but isn't it amazing how fast another year goes by and we didn't make any changes? And yet we want to set this, this change in our life. And, and that mark in time, and the reason we choose the first of a new year is to say this is a mark in time that I'm going to make a change. And change is good. That our life could be different. And we look back and we say, what was I not able to accomplish last year that maybe I can apply and I could do this year? that we are desiring this new change. And I think it's great. I think it's awesome you set goals. And we should all set goals and have goals in our life, goals that we're looking forward to, things that we're planning ahead. And as a community, uh, as a church, we're setting goals into 2021, and we have a plan and a strategy of what God's calling us to do. And we should all have goals within our life, and it's a good time. But your goals should be tangible, and they should be written down. Otherwise, they don't exist. This isn't a vision. It's a goal. So what's the goal I want to accomplish over this next year? What are some things that I want to do? they got to be tangible. And they got to be written down, because if it's not written down, it'll never happen. That's the beginning of the phase of setting a new day and saying, I'm going to do something different this year than last year, that I'm going to put that down on paper. And when we're starting or setting these goals, the thing we must remember is to invite the Lord into that process. Invite him in to that process in your life. You're walking with Christ. You have a relationship with Christ. You're a disciple in Christ. You're new to Christ. The greatest gift you can give yourself for this new year is invite him in your life and your plans. And have him begin to set those plans with you as you make those goals. And in this past year, we've experienced trials and uncertainty and incredible sense of powerlessness over this past year. And, and, and setting our goals for a new year, we first have to look back and we'll see what we could learn from the year past. What's something different that I could do looking ahead? And what will we do different as a result of what I'm looking back in the past? See, this year we've had an unexpected interruption in our life. 
and our best laid plans were set aside. We have to make hard decisions over this past year and even coming into this new year in those changes. But just maybe, just maybe, it's also the greatest opportunity to reevaluate some things in our life. Maybe it's a moment where we can ask a question, what truly matters? What truly matters in your life right now? What's, what's the most important thing? What matters? Because in a moment, everything in your life can radically change in a moment, and we've seen that. So what do I want to do different? How do I want to live my life? Maybe in this moment we've come to a point of a greater understanding that there are so many things in this world that are out of our control. And if that's true, then ultimately who is in control? And I think that there's something we can learn from Isaiah's, uh, the scripture in Isaiah today, and I think that there's three principles to renewing our strength in the Lord that we could learn from Isaiah. Something that we could take and begin to look ahead into this new year. And these principles come out of Isaiah chapter 40, what we read. Verse 28 says this, Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? The first principle we could learn is God's power is endless and everlasting. It's endless and it's everlasting. God's power is immeasurable. It's unlimited. It's never faint, and it's never weary. That's God's power. It's very different than other powers that we might try to associate with. See, when we live our lives without his power, we're looking to ourselves or others to be the ones who empower us. That we're trusting in our own abilities, and, and we're looking for that recognition from others where we'll feel that lift, that energy, or that empowerment. And to find our true strength and joy, we can only look to God and His unlimited power. That's the only place that we're going to find it. We'll look for it in other people. We'll look for it within ourselves to empower ourselves. But there's going to come a moment where we'll recognize it's not doing the trick. It's not enough to carry me to this next place in my life. And Isaiah goes on in verse 29, and he says this, He gives power to the what? Weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. The second principle we've got to realize is admitting our weakness is the first step to allowing his power into our life. That's the first step. That's what Isaiah is telling the people who are persecuted people, who are feeling hopeless, who are feeling abandoned, who are feeling powerless. And he's giving this prophetic message to a people of God that's still relevant today for us in our life to be reminded of these very words that he's giving them. That we would hold that truth. Admitting our weakness is that first step, is that first moment that we can allow that power to begin to happen in our life. If we look at the 12 steps or any 12-step group, the first step is admitting what? Your weakness. That's the beginning. That's how all this works. It's within that moment. It's in with that first moment that you're willing to say, oh, I can't do it myself. See, pride keeps us from admitting a weakness. It's in that humility that we can now say we're weak. 
And we take that first step, and that first step, we admit we're what? We're powerless, and our lives have become what? Unmanageable. That, that that's the first moment in that, of admitting that weakness. There's two things we never want to do. One is we never want to admit we're wrong, and the second is we never want to admit we're weak. We don't want to admit those two things. But here, there's something different when we do, and when we admit that weakness, we begin to change. That's in a moment. We admit that weakness. The second step says that we come to believe in this higher power. And the third says we turn our will and our life over to the care of who? God. To this higher power. To this greater power. To an unlimited power that we can welcome into our lives. And that's what transforms a life. It's, but it's admitting that weakness first. Identifying that there's an area first. You see, our weakness and need give God an opportunity to strengthen us. I didn't know that prior to that moment that I admitted a weakness for the first time in my life. I've never admitted a weakness again. No, I'm just kidding. I, just don't ask my wife. But that, that, that truth, that, that his power was made known in my life the moment I was willing to turn over my power. Something changed. Something transformed within my life. It was this source of power that I never experienced before that I allowed into my life. Isaiah 40, chapter 30 says this, Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. See, those who believe their strength comes from within have no expectancy to need for God's power. No expectancy or need. There's no, there's no reason, because I believe that my strength comes from within. And we look to those who are young and strong, or we look to people in the world that seem to have all these resources or things going in their life and this strength within their life. And as a result of it, it seems that they would need no, have no need or no desire to have a power from somewhere else or what that might be. But, but what Isaiah is saying, that even those you look at that are the strongest will grow weary, and they will become powerless. That there's a limit to what you're looking at that might, you might believe that is that resource of power. It's not an unlimited power. It's a power that is limited. It's a power that, that will not come through. It's a power that will grow faint and weary if you're trying that power within yourself. And in verse 31, he says, But those who wait, those who wait on the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like what? Eagles. They shall run and not what? Be weary. They shall walk and what? Not be faint. And I think that this is a prophetic word for us looking into 2021. That we can begin to look forward of what Isaiah's words for then are still relevant now. And the third principle that we have to look at, the only way for us to truly renew the sh our strength is to wait upon the Lord. The problem is we don't like to wait. We get very impatient. Come on, God. Come on, God. Come on, God. Come on, Lord. Let's go. If you're like me, it's never fast enough. I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go, Lord. We got things to do, souls to save, places to go, people to meet. But we got to wait. There's something in the process of waiting. And those who wait on the Lord, those who wait on the Lord, they're expecting God's power to be made known. That's the difference. Those who don't wait on the Lord are expecting to do things in their power. Those who wait upon the Lord are expecting His power to be made known in their life. 
Waiting on the Lord is not this passive thing, but it's an active thing that we do. We wait on the Lord to come and deliver us. We wait on the Lord to answer our prayers. We wait on the Lord to renew our strength. We wait because He is God and we are not God. And it's in that waiting that we're strengthened. It's in that waiting that we're transformed, that we're changed, and we're strengthened, and we're made new in that process as we wait. And He calls us to that place that we wait upon him, that we're reminded by those words of Isaiah that, that for those who all, those who will wait on the Lord, their strength shall be renewed. And it's interesting when he says, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. That they shall walk and not be faint. And he gives this, this picture of this eagle, that you'll mount up on eagle's wings. And I don't know the last time you mounted up on eagle's wings, or if you know what that looks like. But there's something significant, there's something majestic about that statement that I think we could relate as we're planning, as we maybe set new goals as we face this new year, as we look back and now begin to look ahead what God possibly wants to accomplish and do. That I think that there's seven eagle lessons to live a Christian life. That we have these principles that Isaiah, Isaiah gives us that, that we can recognize that power that we could begin to be strengthened and, and, uh, by admitting that weakness and then waiting and be strengthened by the Lord. But I believe that that eagle, that, that picture, that imagery that he gives for us to wait upon him, that, that, that will be renewed, that will be strengthened, that will soar. What does that look like? Well, I think there's these lessons that we can learn about an eagle's life that can teach us about a Christian's life or what an eagle does. First, eagles soar higher than any other bird. And they, they, they soar on the wind. They ride the wind. Eagles soar higher than any other bird. Eagles are known to soar as high as 10,000 feet. I don't know the last time you saw a blue jay 10,000 feet in the air, but, but there's something really different about that. And, and here's the principle. When an eagle can soar to that, you know, that altitude, it can only soar with other eagles. To soar like an eagle and to reach that height, you got to get around other eagles who know how to soar. To know how to reach that altitude, to know how to reach that height. Second is eagles have powerful vision. They're designed for long distance to focus in and, and bring this clarity. That the truth is that an eagle can look three miles away and see its prey. And then it'll lock in and it'll remain focused in that moment until it's ready to catch that prey. Has this powerful vision. And we had a few days off and we went for a hike this past week and we were upstate and we go on this hike on the same trail that we like and uh, there's one place where there's a valley and there's mountains and uh, there's a tree. And we've seen before at this same tree an eagle. And wouldn't it be cool knowing that this Sunday would have this scripture verse if I got to see one? That would have been like, you know, the ultimate. So sure enough, we come, and my wife has powerful vision, and she could see three miles away, and she sees the eagle on the top of the tree, which she claims is her eagle. I don't know how you do that, but because she sees it first. And, and so here we are. Now we're walking up through this hike, and we have this moment to stop, and, and we've seen it before, and it's perched on this same branch, and it's sitting there, waiting. Not soaring at this point, waiting, because it's, it's, it's got powerful vision, and it's looking out. Now, I just want to see it do something. I'm like, come on, bird, do bird things, you know? <laughs> Act like an eagle. 
sitting around watching you sitting still is no fun. Like, I want to see something. And fortunately, I've got to see it jump or fly or release off the branch. And it's amazing. You don't recognize how big it is and how majestic it is. And, but yet it's sitting there perched and with its vision to look out and to be patient and persistent and waiting what's next. And be able to see past and how important for us to have that for your life. A powerful vision to look past that you have to want to have that clear vision on focus on no matter what is going on in your life, no matter what obstacle you might be facing, that you could see past that obstacle, that God wants to bring you through that circumstance, that God wants to show you something bigger to have a vision for in your life. Third thing, eagles feed on fresh prey. They never eat dead things. And the principle we can learn from that is that we have to watch what we feed our souls. Don't feed your souls dead things. That's what we put in our eyes. It's what we put in our ears. What are we feeding our soul? And we're not to feed our soul dead things, but we're to feed it life. The word of God, his truth, his spirit. Those are the things that, that we're to feed on and grow on. Fourth, eagles love the storm. They love the storm. When storm winds come, the eagle uses it to lift himself higher above the clouds. That it begins to soar as a result of the storm. We can use the storms of our life to rise above our circumstances and even reach greater heights. So yes, we can even use a pandemic in our life for the Lord to bring us and soar even higher as a result of it. Amen. That we can rise above that and we can soar higher to greater heights where he would want to bring us. Instead of dwelling on the storm, it's time to rise above it. Fifth thing, eagles test before they trust. Women are going to like this one. When a female eagle meets a male, she first tests his commitment. Not a bad idea, right? And this is what they do. Female goes down to earth, male's up 10,000 feet, and he begins to bring twigs as he's courting the female. Not one twig, not two twigs, he does this for about four or five hours, proving its commitment to her. I think that's going to be in our next pre-Cana class, by the way. <laughs> Somehow we'll figure out how to do that and build that commitment in, but how important that is. And he spends that time proving that commitment. Sixth thing, eagles invest in training others. When it's time the mother eagle is ready to take the eaglet and train it, the first thing she does is push it out of the nest. Begins to push it out so it can begin to train the young how to fly. Second thing it does is it brings it to a higher cliff, to a higher place. And what the mother does to the eaglet is she kicks it off the cliff and starts screaming as it's going down because it doesn't know how to fly yet. And then within a moment, the father comes in, swoops in and puts it on its back and brings it back again gets back up, she kicks it off again. <laughs> and in that process is how it begins to learn how to fly, how to use its wings. See, people who love us sometimes have to push us to help us grow. Sometimes we've got to be pushed a little bit to recognize that's how we begin to soar, that's how we begin to use those wings. Last thing, the seventh thing is eagles rejuvenate. As eagles grow older, they be, their feathers begin to die or become weak. So what they do is they go to a secluded place and they go off and they plug out, pluck out the rest of their feathers. They take them out. 
And as a result of taking them out, new ones grow in. And sometimes we need to pull back to recognize the things that are causing our weakness and then allow the Lord into those places that he'll bring that renewal into our life. So maybe there's some things for that renewal, that rejuvenating that we need to pluck out of our life so that he can begin to renew us. See, the eagle will symbolize courage, strength, and renewal. And that's what the Lord wants you to have. He wants you to have that courage in him. He wants you to be strengthened in him. And he wants you to daily be renewed by him. And he invites us to that place. So here's what I want you to do. We're into a new year. Having financial goals and physical goals and family goals are really important. But I want you to set three spiritual goals for your life. What would those three spiritual goals be this year moving forward? Maybe it's a way of saying, Lord, maybe you could use my gifts in a way you didn't this year, Lord. My talents, maybe you could use them, Lord. Maybe there's a way, my time, that I could pour in indifferently than I did years past. Maybe you could use my finances in a way that I didn't let you in before that you could use them. What are three goals that you would set as you're facing a mark in time for this new year, what God could possibly do? Because I know he wants to give you that courage, that strength, and I know he wants to bring that renewal into your life. But we have to recognize that. We have to invite that in. We have to let this year be a year of change in the best way. How he'll use our circumstance to help us soar instead of letting our circumstance keep us from being with him. Inviting him in by renewing our strength in the Lord. That willingness. So there's three principles that we learn from Isaiah that he teaches us. That, that we have to look to the Lord because his power is unlimited. He's the unlimited power. He's the unlimited resource. That his spirit's being made known in your life and renewing you moment by moment, moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day, allowing he's the source of all life. Nothing else will give you that eternal life but him. And we align ourselves in his power. Second, that we be willing to admit our weakness. In those moments, you say, Lord, here, here's that area. Take it, Lord. Greatest thing I ever did in my life was to surrender that area of my life that I wouldn't give him, which was my heart. Was that unwillingness, because pride kept me from it. And when I surrendered, that weakness is where that change began, where his power was made known. And then I had the ability to wait on the Lord. And as we wait on him, and I promise you this, as you wait on him, he will renew your strength. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your power. Let your power be made known right now in our lives. Lord, for my brothers and sisters who want to set those goals this year of what you have planned and in store. Holy Spirit, I ask you stir within us what those goals would be, how we could be used for your kingdom. Lord, that we'll surrender the areas that we're weak so we can be made strong, that we'll wait upon you so you continue to renew us and strengthen us. Now, if you're here in person or you're watching online and you haven't made that decision to walk with Christ yet, he's making an invitation for you right now. And what we have to do is recognize that he's the source of all life. He's the power that, that formed creation into being, that spoke the words. He's the power that raised Jesus from the dead. And that power is made known to us when we surrender our life and ask it to come in. 
And that's in that moment that God begins to transform our life. And what does he do? He offers us this gift of eternal life, but we have to meet him in that moment. We have to surrender. And I don't know where your heart's at, but I want to make an invitation for you to know him in that way. And you can begin to walk out this new life that he has stored for you. So if you don't know him that way and you want to pray to know him that way, you're in person or online, just repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my heart and I ask you to come in. Take control of my life and make me the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now if you prayed in person or you're watching online on one of the platforms and you've asked the Lord in your heart that way, first thing you have to do is tell somebody. Because we don't do this journey alone, we do it in community. And I want you to let us know that you've prayed that prayer. If you're here in person, you can let a host know on the way out by one of the kiosks. If you're online, you can click a button right now or you can email us and say, I prayed that prayer and I want to begin this journey. What we're committed to, to do with you is get you on that pathway of discipleship, that you'll find God's purpose and perfect plan for your life. Amen? Amen. Peace and Lord be with you. Acknowledge one another with a sign of God's peace. peace.